Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about constraint management with the help of special guest, Chris Peterson of Schlegel Design Remodel in Kansas City, Missouri. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host, Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hi, everyone. Tim Fowler here, and welcome to another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Keep those ideas coming in. Love to hear from everybody. We, uh, we have found a client and a couple of trade contractors through your participation, but um, keep the ideas and any guests coming in that you think might be good to have on the show. So one of the things I really like about doing these podcasts is that I keep learning. And, uh, you, know, you know, somebody said one time, you know, if you're not learning, you're dying or something like that. Well, I love learning things from other people. And one of the best experiences in my life is our roundtables that we have for production managers, because I get to facilitate most of those. And what I get to experience is a number of men and women who are proactively and very creatively solving problems or challenges in their businesses. And you know, sometimes it's just about how to motivate other people. Sometimes it's like, how do I track information so that I know better about what's going on? And so they, they bring these things up in the meetings. And because I'm not in it all the time as an active manager, it's really fantastic to get exposed to these new ideas. And so the things that quite often they just say matter-of-factly, you know, it's just like, blah, 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 that's the way we do it. My ears perk up and I want to get them on, get them to talk about those things and find out like what's really going on uh, so that we can share that with the rest of the world. And so that's what today is about. Uh, Chris, who's been on before, those of you who are listeners regularly know uh, Chris has contributed at least two podcasts uh, previous and in a meeting that he was engaged in this spring, he mentioned this idea of constraint management. And, you know, it just hit me that there's all kinds of different ways to manage business. And the challenge for a lot of folks is we manage by fire more than anything else. It's like, it's on fire. And then we put that out and then something else is caught on fire, you know? And so, I'm hoping that constraint management doesn't mean that, <laughs> but uh, we're going to find out what it means. The other thing I just want to mention really quickly is that I did do a little Google here, and there is a whole field of study and management called constraint management, and at least in part, some of this came from that, but this is not going to be a treatise on that method of management. So if you're interested in that, Google it. You can read all, all about more of the background to it. So we're just going to be talking about constraint management. Steve, let's get going. 
So Chris Peterson is the VP of production and part owner with Schlegel Design Remodel in Kansas City, Missouri. In his 24 years with the company, he has served in every role on the production side of the business, starting as a carpenter before moving into lead carpenter role, followed by project manager and finally production manager. Three years ago, Chris and his business partner, Charlie Schlegel, purchased the business, which just celebrated 40 years in business. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks, Steve and Tim. I appreciate it. Wow. 40 years. That's really something. How many years have you been with them? A little over 24. Okay. So quite a, quite a bit, maybe 75, maybe 60% or something like that. That's really, that's pretty amazing. So um, what's your role right now? Just give us a little bit more about what you do. I, I know it's the VP, part owner, but what do you do on a daily basis? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I oversee everything on the production side of the business. So I'm, I'm very little in the day-to-day project aspects, but more kind of the 30,000-foot view, hiring, um, business growth, looking down the road, um, support role to the um, project managers and lead carpenters, ultimately. Okay, cool. So I mentioned in my intro that during the meeting, you, you mentioned we use constraint management. And I made a quick note of that and, and said, like, I, I want to hear more about that because I had not ever heard that term before. So from your vantage point, how do you define that? What's the, what do you mean when you say that? Well, I was disappointed that you looked it up. I was going to tell you that I came up with that term myself because <laughs> uh, I try to you know, own everything that I'm going to speak. But... You, know, you know what, Chris? I'm 63 years old and I'm learning that there's this thing called Google out there that uh, I can find out information about before I ask anybody else. And, and maybe it's accurate. So anyway, go ahead. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No, I mean, it's a fancy term. It was brought up to us by a business coach about 10 years ago. But ultimately, I mean, a constraint is is a holdup or, or a slowdown to, to what it is, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. So therefore, constraint management is just kind of trying to stay ahead of whatever that holdup might be. Um, I, I really like the analogy of a funnel. You know, you can put as much sand or liquid or whatever material in the, in the top of a funnel as you want to, but there's only a certain amount that comes out the bottom and that's the constraint. So um, that's a pretty simple analogy. You're dumping your business into the top of this funnel. What's going to hold up from producing whatever it is you produce or selling whatever you sell um, at the bottom of the funnel? So is this always a reactive kind of formula? Because it sounds to me like it's that, I mean, we've all had the experience, right? You start pouring a lot into a funnel and all of a sudden you're reacting to the spill because there's not enough coming out of that bottom, you know, that bottom spout. So is this a more reactive kind of event or is it proactive? No, it's, it's actually, it's the opposite. It's, I would say it's uh, constraint management is totally proactive. So, you know, it's, it's, it's plan, 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 um, but, but, and then react because the reality is no matter how much we plan, there's, there's, there's going to be some reaction there too. Um, but, you know, I think it's all about, you know, good systems and process to help you see where the constraint is in your business. Um, cause that's as far as constraint management, recognizing the constraint before it becomes a constraint is, is the whole key. Yeah. So, so that's, I mean, it just sounds super, if you can see it. So how do you, I mean, re- real life for you guys at Schlegel, how do you actually see these things? before they become that 
problem that shuts something down or that stops your business from growing or whatever it is? What are some of the, the tools maybe that you use that shows you where these constraints are? Sure. Yeah. You know, like I said, it's, it's systems and processes. We've got, we have several things in place that we use. Um, Tim, you've heard me talk a lot about my long-term schedule for production. To me, that's an at a glance. Um, that, that's my biggest constraint management. I see which lead carpenter is available on what date, when the jobs start, when they stop. Um, so that's a huge one for me. Um, you know, any, anything that you do that's budget versus actual, um, you know, to a certain point in the year budget versus actual design service agreements, you know, whether it's a, a certain amount of design service agreements that we want in place um, or a dollar value that we want in place. Uh, cash flow projections, how much money's coming in? You know, we look at the WIP. Um, if it's a $100,000 job and it's going to take, you know, X amount of months to produce, we bring in X amount of revenue per month. That's a, a sort of a leading indicator on that. Um, lead, leads, budget versus actual. Um, you know, month to month budget versus actual for your actual, your, your, your budget. Are you spending as much as you thought in marketing um, in, in all of these areas? Um, you know, a trailing 12 month chart really helps also because oftentimes we look at something and you think, oh my gosh, we're down from where we were last month. Well, right. But where were we this month last year? So um, anything that you have that, that lets you see the future is, is huge. So you're looking at all these things, right? Some of them come out every week. Some of them come out once a month. Some of them come out, you know, a little, you know, longer out. You have your, your schedule. So how do you determine what the real constraint is? I mean, for example, when you're, when you're looking at, you know, signed preliminary agreements or whatever you, you call them and you, you see there's something off here. There's a, there's a constraint occurring. And I'm assuming that's kind of like, if we don't have 10 per month, then we're not gonna have enough jobs to, to go into production and produce revenue. How do you then uh, zero in and find out like in that funnel analogy, where, it, where does that funnel stop being a funnel and just become the tube? Where is that, how do you actually get to that, that point to figure it out what the real constraint is. Yeah. I mean, some of that is, is like at our management meetings, you know, maybe it's, we all talk about our area of the, of the company, but sometimes somebody else sees it in your area before you do, you know, I, I have a tendency, I can get hung up by the numbers. Um, and as I say, you can't see the forest through the trees. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm discussing this issue that I have and somebody else goes, well, what about this? Or what about that? And it, it sometimes it is so right in front of you. It's amazing. So um, looking at the numbers, but having also, I think, history to the numbers. Again, being in it for several years to know that, okay, yes, leads are slowing down and it's, it's spring. We should be crazy. Well, yeah, but kids are getting ready to go back to school. Um, you know, moms who are a huge part of our buying audience are engaged with their kids right now. So in two weeks, it's going to pick back up. So some, sometimes historical markers um, help you kind of cut through it too, because sometimes what you see right in front of you isn't the, isn't the actual data. You got to get a couple layers deeper. So let's, let's, just, let's talk about some of the examples, particularly on the production side of your business. Um, what, are, what are some of, some real examples of constraints and then doing something to manage those? I guess, you know, I think some sort of my analogy of the fire earlier, sometimes we see the constraints and we don't really think about managing them. We just think about solving them. 
And I'm, I'm thinking there's a difference. Uh, yes and no. I mean, it depends on, on what the constraint or the, or the problem is, you know, but just a few that, that impact production specifically are permits and inspections. You know, um, certain municipalities, we can push a, a permit through in a matter of days. Others, you have to go in front of a monthly review board. So, you know, if you think it's you're going to push it through in 48 hours and it's, it's Mission Hills that takes, you know, uh, over a month, we got to know that. Well, now our team knows that and they see that coming. Um, labor, in-house or trade contractors, you know, um, of course, right now, COVID, I mean, we're, 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 we're shutting down jobs and or losing trade partners um, or um, in-house team members to a two-week quarantine. So that it, it's like, how do you plan for that? You don't know what's happening. Well, one of the things that I think is constraint management directly as it relates to COVID is, you know, a, a couple of years ago, um, it was all about lean and you know, having um, only the right amount of people you need to do the amount of work you've got to do, or maybe being 10% fewer on the bodies that you need to do the work. Um, right now, I'm looking at it as the opposite. I want one or two extra um, kind of floaters, if you will. You know, I'd rather have a guy push a broom or be a little bit less effective and efficient right now, but be ready to plug somebody in when somebody goes down sick. So I think that's a direct situation that is constraint management to COVID. You know, appliances and other materials are on back order and shortage right now. So um, we can't really control that. But one thing we can do is if it's we don't need it for six months, we can have it shipped right away if it's sitting in a warehouse because the odds are good in six months, it might not be there. So um, receiving material quicker than we normally do. You know, as far as hiring, if I wait to, to hire until I need the help, it's too late. I mean, folks, I'm hiring today. The ball, I started ball rolling six months ago. So um, those are all proactive approaches in my opinion. Yeah, I think this is one of the things that has been interesting for me talking with businesses is that quite often, and particularly production folks, are gonna, they kind of throw this thing up that says, we can't even get pressure treated material now as, an, as a reason why things aren't moving along or why we're not hitting budget or, or stuff like that. And at some point in time, I said, okay, time out we're done with that excuse because it's been happening for three or four months. We should have planned for this. We should have created a contingency, if you will, uh, for this. And you were mentioning, you know, appliances and things like that. And just thinking about, you know, what kind of, uh, um, uh, what kind of choices do you give a client on appliances now? You know, you know, the one you can't get for six months, but the others you can get in, in a month, you know, what, and then that's, that's managing the process as opposed to just letting it happen to you. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about here, seeing where those bottlenecks could be and then creating a solution that works for, for you. Is that kind of the yeah. way you see it? Yeah, absolutely. And in this case, using the appliances directly, you know, maybe it's just saying, hey, be sure and ask Rich, our salesman, when you're over there, um, if, if what you're looking at is in stock. Tell him that that's one of the, you know, he's going to ask you how you cook, how you use the appliance. But tell him one of the top three important things to you is you need something that's in stock or you can get within three months. You know, again, that's just being aware of it. The reality is, though, our clients may say, you know what, I want what I want. It's worth waiting six months, nine months, whatever. But at that point, you've, you've educated them and it's up to them to make that decision. And then that's a different, that's a different constraint, exactly. right? 
because, because, but you know that now you know that constraint. And so you thought you were going to have that job. The client has put that job off for six months. Now you know that you've got to manage to get another job in there. But I think, so I think what we're really, what we're talking about here is just good information so that you can manage the whole process effectively instead of kind of, uh, that's the thing that's frustrating to me is people allow things to happen to them as opposed to them control as much as they can. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of this is, you know, I'm a big fan of that whole, don't stress about things that are beyond your control. Um, right. you know, some of these constraints that are three, six months out that we spoke about here, to me, they are in our control. So like, we're going to get ahead of these as best we can so that then what we're reacting to are those things that are beyond our control. Chris, are, so this is whatever you call philosophy or a model. How is it communicated or taught to the, your staff? And um I guess, I mean, you're not saying constraint management all the time. I mean, is there different (laughs) words or how how do you communicate that? Yeah, great, great question, Steve. I mean, once in a while, we do use that term in a meeting, but that might be, again, more of a a year-end meeting where we're going to talk about, you know, again, constraint management. Generally, I mean, constraint management happens on a daily basis. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's problem solving. I mean, every time our project manager or lead carpenter fill out a daily log, call a trade partner, update a schedule. Those are all, in a way, forms of constraint management. So these people are doing this on a daily basis and to some degree don't realize that's what it is. But they know the pain that hits them when they, as as Tim said, you know, are putting out fires, chasing their tail, whatever analogy you want to use. Um, So generally, I mean, really, we have different systems throughout for admin, sales, design, everyone. And they, they generally understand that when you follow the process, it, it, it works. You have less uh, firefighting time on the other end. So how does this impact you and Charlie working together as a partnership that owns this business? What, how does this view of management impact all of that? I mean, I guess, uh, so it happens in everyday sort of boots on the ground kind of decisions. How does it relate to the overall management of the business? Sure. Well, I mean, I think we, we just talked about it a little bit. I think it allows us to stay focused on uh, focused and not stress about the day to day. You know, I kind of joke that if you've got 47 balls in the air, you have to juggle all 47. A good system has all those balls down there for you. You just look at you check the box. Tim, I know you're a checklist fan. Uh, <laughs> so I think it allows us to sort of do that. All these metrics that we have in place, these cash flow projections, all these financials we look at weekly, the whip, all these things. Um, it is just the system. So I, I think RA has ingrained in us to, to, to work, run our businesses in such a way that we just manage the system. Um, and, and again, it allows us to, to um, you know, not stress about the things beyond our control. If, if we put the right metrics, the right dashboards in place, to some degree, uh, things just take care of themselves. It's like the, the harder I work, the luckier I get kind of a scenario. You know? <laughs> um, but, but I also, you know, one thing I, I, I do really hit on is I think like a project manager, another way that they use it is using, knowing their strengths and weaknesses of their team. I mean, that's constraint management. If you know you've got a rock star lead carpenter, but man, it's that last 5% that this, this person just doesn't close out well. You know, hey, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, next week, I got to be engaged. I got I to get so-and-so's job across the finish line, you know? So, so it's things like that as well. So it sounds like, I mean, just to go back and kind of 
define. It sounds like it's a, a, a good understanding. And since it's constraints, it's mostly the negatives is what, what are the negatives that could happen and how do we actually do something to either prevent them or get us through them, so to speak, like, like you're mentioning the, the, you know, getting, instead of just like a lead carpenter, instead of just hoping that this time they get it right. And I know they're not prone to getting it right. I now can step in and assist or help or find a way to help them to get it right without just hoping. Absolutely. And, and one thing also just came to mind, Tim, there you mentioned sometimes seeing through it. You know, here's, here's another good analogy is leads. Let's say your raw lead count is 500 leads came through. Awesome. But if only 20 of those are good um, possible leads for you to close, then that metric is, is, is not good. And that actually, you could spend a ton of time chasing those leads. So that's not good constraint management. All right, cool. And, and for me, so Chris, I'm a little stuck on this funnel still. So <laughs> am I, am I looking to uh, manage what I'm putting into the funnel or widen the hole at the bottom? Yes. How about that? Both? I think it's both. <laughs> both. There you go. Right. I think, but, but also, Steve, look at it in a controlled environment. If you just cut that funnel in half, well, everything's dumping through it. But that's that's out of control. That's 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 not even controlled chaos. So yeah, yeah. I think it's both, though. You want the right amount going to the top. But then, yeah, if we can sort of throttle the bottom side of that funnel to where it's manageable, but as wide open as we can, yeah. that's the goal. Absolutely. That's great. So. Do you ever get it all fixed? Well, of course, Tim. Don't you see that in our, in our, our, our biannual meetings? Um, no, but but I mean, I think it's like the analogy of, a, of like a triage in an emergency room, right? We're just trying to see what's what the problem is and then sort of address that constraint. But but really, I, I kind of see it as it's almost like a, a way that moves through the company. The constraint, let's say it starts with leads. We don't have enough leads. So what do we do? We put more money into marketing. Well, that's where the constraint was, but guess what? Now we've got a ton of leads coming in. So the constraint might be, um, you know, qualifying those leads. And, and then the, the wave just moves on through. Then the designers are overwhelmed, but then they get it sold. Then the architect is overwhelmed and then she gets it sold. And then we're overwhelmed in production. So what do I do? I hire more people. So we chew through it. Now it's just rinse, repeat. Now we start it all over again. But if we see this constraint out there, three, six, nine months down the road, and we sort of are choosing where we're placing that constraint, that's where it becomes manageable. We really kind of prefer the constraint to be in production. We would like for, for the lead side to be optima, optimally running, the, the designers designing and selling. The, the stress should be on me and how many people can I hire to produce the work. That is the most, um, that's the easiest, I think, to overcome. So, so really it's, it, you're not fixing it. You're just trying to control where the constraint is. Yeah. I, I was speaking with another one of the production managers a little while back and it might've been even in our, our group meeting, but he was talking about, or we were talking about produced volume per superintendent or something like that. And he said, well, the way we do it is we start with how many leads are going to come in. You know, they, they, in other words, instead of saying, a project manager has to produce, you know, $2 million worth of work. They start way back at the beginning and track and, and set up every step along the way, which will therefore create $2 million worth of work for each project manager to uh, produce during the year, whatever it is. And so it's that 
it's that whole chain of events occurring properly so that it, in, in essence, you don't want any constraint, if you will. There, it, it, it flows well all the way through. Absolutely. Yeah. Te- I mean, technically a constraint in production, it's, it's, it's called backlog. Right. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Up to a certain point. All right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, this is great. Well, really appreciate this, Chris. Um, just getting a new idea out there and uh, getting people to think about how to maybe, again, the emphasis being on you know, create the systems, watch the numbers, watch the systems, yeah, and use those to de- to uh, sort of um, problem shoot where those constraints are, so that they don't act as constraints anymore. Yeah, and Tim, I got one more question here, Chris. Sure. You mentioned that just the visual of the leads coming all the way through. I mean, a lot of people call that their runway, right? And they want a certain amount in here and Tim referenced the backlog, we want a certain amount of design. So, I mean, that's an important piece of this constraint management. So what, you know, people are going to start adopting this. I mean, where, where do you start? I mean, you know, I think a funnel, I mean, there's, there's many things that you can put in place, but do you guys have a significant dashboard that you're looking at? We do. Yeah. And and as I mentioned to me, personally for production, it's the long-term schedule. It it shows everything to me, but we, we also have a job sheet and it shows the the, the amount of revenue in design service agreements, the amount of revenue in pending jobs, the amount of revenue in current jobs. Um, And you have a sweet spot in those areas that say we always want 30, 30, 10 or however people measure it. Yeah, yeah, and we have both. Oftentimes, it's based upon months of you know months of revenue and backlog, um, months of net profit and backlog. Some of those things. Every every company has their own metric, but yep. um, but yeah, and so we have some, we have basic we have metrics in every in every area. We know how many um, projects our architect can have a design at one time. All those things. So really, as, as far as Steve is, is where do you start with it? I almost think you need one or two metrics in each um, functioning area of your business some metric to base upon. I mean, again, it leads. How many times is the phone ringing? You know, like yeah. um, if you don't have a, a benchmark, you don't know whether the information is good or bad. Um, so some of it starts with tracking some information. And, and I think it, it's hard. Companies say, well, so now I have to hire another overhead position to just track the data. You get to a point where, yeah, you do. I mean, to get, the, and I don't know what the number is, but to get from certain milestones to others in revenue, you have to have some of these overhead um uh, dollars spent to, for people just to track things, to know, again, these are leading indicators. Where are we going? How can we change the impact of that? Yeah. And, it, and I think too, it may not be a person. It might be some software that if, as long as you fill in box A, B, C, D, and E, it'll give you the data, you know, and, and for small companies, even an Excel spreadsheet can give you that information. What What's important is that you understand it and, and then make good decisions uh, with that data, and so you can see where those constraints are. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think another way to look at this is if everyone in your business is down in it and just grinding to get through the, the job that's that's there in front of you today, th- there's your constraint. You need somebody that's, you know, again at thirty thousand feet that's that's thinking three, six, twelve months down the road that isn't thinking today, tomorrow, and next Monday. Um, and I think that's a challenge is, is, is companies committing that money to having somebody in that role, but it's, it'll hold you back. It will be your constraint. I promise. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, this has been great, Chris. Thank you again for you know taking a little bit of time to be with us and uh, just sharing some information. And I hope I hope people will. I mean, for the production people that are out there listening in, be thinking about this from your standpoint, from business owners, you know, look at it maybe from the whole picture versus just just the production. But start thinking about how do we identify where those constraints are? And and then I guess the way that I find it easiest to think about is how do I let it how do I manage it versus let it take over me? How do I keep it from running me versus me running it? Yeah, great point. Thank Chris, you. thank you so much. Once again, it's always success for our third time here. So thanks again. We will have you again in the future. Keep keep coming up with great stuff. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Tim, you right. always enjoy it. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, Chris. Tim, you mentioned at the beginning of the show uh, that you always like to learn, and I had honestly never heard this term and it's pretty fantastic it took me a second to really let it sink in and uh you know i was stuck on that funnel for a second but as you look at it i mean it's a really cool concept philosophy model whatever you want to call it but it's it's really a guiding force if you think about it yeah i think the big thing and i think you know chris part of this is chris's personality he's just so even keeled and and, you know, controlled in the way that, you know, yeah. he runs his world. But the, the whole idea of not just reacting to things, but putting defined systems in that give you really workable numbers, like what numbers do you need to make good decisions? And then find a way to get those numbers. And, you know, they can be, I mean, like he said, his company's pretty big. I think they're you know, 14 or $15 million company, 35 people out in the field, they need more numbers than some smaller companies. But you just have to figure out what numbers do I need? And then those will help you see where your your trouble spots are. And then you can figure out how to manage uh, those trouble spots. Yeah. Well, I I really enjoyed this and I'd love to keep going with this uh, to have another have him back or or continue on with this so again we want to thank chris peterson for joining us today and we always 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 want to thank you for listening to another episode of the tim fowler show and remember at the tim fowler show we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary this has been another episode of the tim fowler show want to hire tim and fast track your growth Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.